Happy long weekend Monday in WA. How are you? Doing good. Yeah, that, that does not affect me one bit, but <laughs> uh, in a week's time, we have a public holiday, but I'm working anyway. So, I mean, we'll yep. take it. Happy, hey, uh, I'm, happy I'm, Western I'm, Australia day. What's the actual day? Look, if I was over there, I'd probably know, but I don't. Um, it's a day off. It doesn't feel like a day off because nothing really changes for me, but uh, I'll be taking today as a little siesta day and then I'm actually away next Monday as well. So I'm having two little four-day weeks, which is kind of nice. Dude, do you have work? Jeez, that's rough. This is, a, this is my segue into uh, <laughs> do a conversation. Do you topic even work? Actually don't, man. Yeah, I literally just sit uh, at this dining table every minute of every day just flicking through YouTube videos, uh, watching a lot of golf tutorials. Um, yeah, do that for 14 to 18 hours a day and just roll over and climb upstairs, get into bed and wake up and do it on repeat. What about you? Do you, do you really work? I haven't actually seen you outside of that couch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're watching on the YouTube, my background never changed. Never, neither does yours though. Yours is always just I actually, background. Where it's, we're kicking this off, not that you guys will know this, but this is a little bit later than usual. And I actually walked around my house a little bit with um, various setups and I was like, can I make this work? I just feel so comfortable with a plain, boring background. Might not even treat some people for those that are tuning into maybe a little bit of something different, go I'll to the same. moon or something like that, see how we go. How do I do this? Uh, <laughs> that's a I've technological advancement. Anyway, uh, oh, you're for in those who don't now. know, yeah. Me I'm and in San Francisco. Have been, have oh, no, here we go. Oh, little Tiger King. I think uh, if you're listening to this, this is probably the weirdest intro that we've ever had to a podcast. But um, look, we, we thought we'd set up somewhere a little bit different today, just change up the vibe. Um, but yeah, happy long weekend to me. Uh, happy not long weekend to you. You were up nice and early coaching. I appreciate your coaching this morning. Thanks for that. Um, Thanks for coming in. Hey, that's okay. I have to bump the numbers for you in some way. So uh, <laughs> The average amount lifted. That's yeah, what you uh, Yeah, Yeah, bring yeah. it down just a peg. 4 a.m. wake up. It it honestly feels good. I for a split second on the Sunday evening, I'm dreading it. But then when I actually get into it and I wake up and I go and get my coffee and I'm on my way to the gym and it's quarter to five or you know, 25 to five, I actually love it. And the people that come into the gym at 510 are a different breed. You know, they're, they're like kind of people. Elite specimen. Yeah. 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 They're uh they're highly driven, like highly motivated. Obviously, you would have to be to come to the gym at 5 a.m. Mm. like or a psychopath you know it's like one of the two did you hold it which is which yeah yeah or or you know you're an axe murderer or something i don't know like there's no in between you haven't slept um, and you're still up you're a night owl yeah exactly um I, oops what have i done not sure yeah it is different i think you know that that feeling that you would have on a sunday sunday afternoon is going to be different especially if you're at the pub just like or could definitely have a sneaky one more but um, I'm sure you've done it in your younger days. I can honestly say there'd be a handful of times I've done that, literally probably less than a handful. I'm not one that copes well with an early morning after a late night. So um, I'm happy to do it if I can stay in bed. But, uh, yeah, not out in front of people being, being the energy. And I don't think it's obviously the ideal precedent to set in terms of, hey, guys, come in, work on your health and fitness. I'm feeling really, really rough. So yeah. look, power to you for the Monday. Yeah, I'm way past that now. And I remember uh, one of the one of my main stories that I tell when I'm talking about working when you're absolutely likely still drunk, to be honest, <laughs> is uh, 
I was working at my old work. For the sake of the story, I won't name names, but I, uh, I had a really late night. And, uh, and I got back to my mate's place, which was probably like 5 or 6 a.m. Mm. And then this is on Saturday night. Well, uh, maybe it was the, yeah, it must have been the Sunday morning, actually. And, uh, and I went in and I was teaching CPR for eight hours. No. <laughs> so, literally like 5 or 6 a.m., jump in bed for like an hour or two. Alarm goes off, 8 o'clock, 7.30, something like that. Like grab a banana, stumble out to my car, like absolutely atrocious yeah. <laughs> atrocious Not state ideal. and they go and i'm like in front of this group of like 30 people just like teaching 20 and 2 like the uh <laughs> staying alive playing like yeah. the entire day basically on repeat because that's the beat you like do your cpr to yeah okay and uh oh man never again yeah that's <laughs> I was rough. pretty young at that point i think it was like 22 or something but yeah i'm way past that now any opportunity i can get to go to bed early i'm gonna take that 100 yeah. percent yeah, I've actually been um, sleeping excessive amounts, I feel. Well, I call them excessive compared to what I'm used to. I'm normally like a 9, 9.30 sort of in bed, up at 5-ish sort of guy. Lately, it's definitely been maybe 10, but up at after 7. Like ridiculous for some reason. So um, not that I feel any better. Body's kind of feeling like it's been hit by a truck every time I wake up. But um, them's the breaks when you kind of live that athlete lifestyle that I definitely don't live. But, uh, putting the body through a little bit extra work, so feeling feeling the uh, yeah feeling the body um, earn its sleep, I guess. So you're running lots of k's now. How many oh, are you not, covering a week? Not necessarily, only about thirty a week. Um, obviously, up on what it's been in the past. I think I had a bit of a taper week last week with deload um, with a little bit of that five five k. No, I did. I had a deload week. Um, but it was deload in terms of the running volume, not a deload in terms of the strength training. That was a peak week. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that they're kind of not programmed in sync, which is understandable to a different um, system to kind of working there. But um, deload in terms of the running last week, peak in terms of the strength. So pushed, yeah, probably a little bit hard on the strength stuff when it's not really a priority at the moment and then had a uh, 5k time trial test whatever i had to do at the back end of the week which definitely body was not feeling 100 rec fans were just tearing off the bones as i was running glutes were not glutes were super tight um yeah doms from two days prior kind of thing lifting some semi medium heavy weight uh, but you're not saying a hundred kilo reverse lunge is, is overreaching are you <laughs> that's not what you're saying right uh, they were front foot elevated. There's a bit of extra rom there, but uh, definitely not saying that overreaching. <laughs> it, was, it was not that, nor was it the 180 uh, kilo hip thrust for reps. It was neither of those. Um, that's well within my wheelhouse as a scrawny little 70 kilo male here. Um, but the, the 5K time trial, yeah, pushed it. I delayed it. It was supposed to be on a Thursday. I did it Friday afternoon. Um, Strava, for those that have since jumped on the, the, you know, masses amounts of people that tune into my Strava habits, uh, gypped me my last 10 meters. So I ran 4.99. So I actually didn't do my five Ks. Doesn't um, count. Doesn't count, but uh, close to a PB. So pretty happy considering the body wasn't a hundred percent. And then, yeah, back into a little bit of extra running. I'm going to go for one after this. Um, and then I might even increase a little bit of cardio volume in the, in the gym this week uh, so I might hit a couple of extra days before flying out next week to the motherland nice and then the strength training will be pretty reduced or are you going to try and keep that up well I think 
uh, I'm in chats with my coach uh, to see if we can kind of get that programmed in accordingly because I'll be away for six or seven weeks and I literally fly back two days or so before uh, the first race of the year. So I don't want to be strength training, you know, not in alignment with what I'm trying to accomplish with the, with the running. So uh, the furthest run I've done at the moment is only about 11Ks, maybe 12. And I am seven weeks out, six weeks, seven weeks out from the race. So I'm curious to see how the distance increases. I might drop off a strength day from three down to two, add in an extra running day from, I'm kind of doing about seven runs a fortnight, so three and a half a week. Might make that a, an eight a fortnight for a week and um, see if we can get some extra distance in there. But it's all running on time at the moment, still not running for distance, running for time and managing heart rate really well, like finding that 150 beats per minute, which is kind of my mafetone, if anyone knows uh, about math running, MAF running. Um, it's kind of like my math heart rate is 150 and that's getting way more efficient. Just feel like I can kind of cruise at that pace now so that when I put the foot down, it's significantly quicker for those intervals. Can you explain what mafetone is? Or oh, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, I think his name is Phil Mafetone, uh, is the guy who created it. And it's based on a... It's, I'm going to, again, butch this. Basically, it's 180. Your math heart rate, MAF, is 180 minus your age. But then you take off either five or 10 beats per minute, depending on your um, at-risk factors. So say you've had, you've got diabetes, right. your math will take five more off. So you're, I think there's an age in there, you're over X age, take another bit off. Um, and the goal is basically, it's kind of like zone two. It's, it's similar to zone two training. It's not the same. If anyone knows zone two, zone two like very sub-maximal, long, um, in, long aerobic-based um, training, basically long, slow distance, LSD, if anyone's heard of that sort of stuff. It's really low heart rate. Um, train your body to become more efficient, essentially. So operate at low heart rate for long periods of time so that when you need to operate for a long period of time at a higher heart rate, it's a quicker interval. I don't know, is that, do you have much understanding of math? Right, so you're running at 150 beats per heart rate. Yeah, yeah, for me, because that's 180 minus my age, which I'm around 30, I'd like to say. Does that make, have you got much understanding of yeah. math or not really? No, not really, to be honest. No, that I haven't really even, I haven't put it into practice for sure. I've heard of it. Um, but I've never put it into practice. For me, running was just like a distance goal where yeah. it was like, all right, I'm going to go for an eight or a 10 or a 15 yeah. or a 21 or like whatever. Yeah. And then really regardless what my heart rate was, I would I would play around with cadence of steps mm. more than anything and just kind of feel how that how that differs. Yeah. Um, you know, lower cadence versus higher cadence. And I find that the higher cadence work felt way easier on my joints, especially my knees, my hips. Yeah. Um, just yeah, more cyclical sure. rather mm. than like bounding um, whereas now all of my running stuff is kind of in like a chaotic nature with footy, uh, where True. there's no real like markers. It's just, yeah. you go, you know, it's a competitive nature. So it's just like so chaotic, but I would like to get back into running distance again. Um, I mean, I have to, at some point to run this 50 K at the end of the year. So. Well, yeah, it's a good point to check in. Like how, you know, we're nine weeks into the year, I think just about, um, obviously we had our big chat towards the start of the year and you know there were there were health and fitness based goals there were business based goals and all that sort of stuff we kind of shared with everyone how do you feel you're going with regards to some of those and i know that maybe some of them have changed 
Yeah, I think my um, my FCs changes quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I um, I really chase like the next thing, you know, yeah. pretty pretty consistently. Yeah. And um, not to say that they're not going to be achieved because they will. Uh, I'm feeling fit right now. I having started training with the footy guys basically like four nights a week over two different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel fit. I feel smaller. I'm probably like 82 kilos now, or I was probably more like 86, 87 when we first chatted a couple yeah. of months ago. Um, so I think in terms of like fitness levels and where I'm at physiologically, I feel really good. I'm, I could definitely go and run like a, a 15er right now, I would say, mm. where, whether I would run that very fast or, well probably not but i could definitely go out and have the uh have the endurance i guess both aerobically and physically to be able to go and do it yeah because i'm covering probably eight to ten k's a night at at least twice a week at footy on you know on two nights and then the other two nights i'm probably covering like five or six yeah i'd be covering a good 30 k's a week just on the track there um that's minus all my other conditioning stuff at the gym um, yeah, feeling, feeling in a good place. I'm not directly training for those goals of, um, heavy snatch, heavy clean and jerk, uh, running 50 Ks, running a fast five, um, and then increasing like maximal strength stuff. I'm probably yeah. only really training for the maximal strength stuff right now. And then yeah. indirectly just getting fitter from training at footy. Um, so a lot of my training is just, uh, like multimodal kind of Metcon type conditioning stuff. So like dumbbell cycling with running with erg work with mm-hmm. body weight movements. That's kind of my Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions. And then my strength stuff is like basic strength progressions. Essentially. Yeah. So like deadlift working through different phases of deadlifts every three months. Um, got testing next week, which would be interesting. One rep max. Um, that's for deadlift, back squat, bench press, push press. Yep. And then, yeah, I'll mix in my Olympic lifting stuff. That's pretty sporadic right now and to be honest i probably undershot what i could achieve this year with just like a five or a ten percent increase um for those goals anyway so i'm i'm quietly confident but famous last words <laughs> probably it'll get to november and I'll, I'll have to like do a course of steroids or something to like really up those numbers <laughs> yeah because you know the injection definitely gets you heavier lifts right yeah yeah exactly. that's how it works that's how it works yeah. Yeah, basic sarcasm, science. Sarcasm, I think, if anyone doesn't know that. Exactly. Yeah, basic trigonometry. Really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have to, uh, no, you have to definitely train hard. And, uh, but again, I'm like, I'm quietly confident and I'm doing all the things, but indirectly I'm working towards those goals mm. and then my physical goals. Um, but then we talk about business goals and financial goals and those types of things as well, which yeah, is ticking along. It sounds like a lot of GPP at the moment, just like just generally getting the baseline a little bit higher a little bit less specificity at the moment. Do you feel like that's going to change back end of the year? Do you have a timeline? Because I know that you've picked up an activity that you probably didn't think you were going to do this year. Yeah. You've been rec- rec- recruiters. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I've been roped into playing footy this year. So <laughs> I think it um, wasn't a very big rope from what I hear. <laughs> no, my, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm still actually on the fence a little bit, but I'm like 95% sure. And yeah. for me, it's just like a game of survival. Um, I just don't want to get injured. That's yeah. the goal because it just affects everything. Not not just my work and how how well I can coach, but my mental health like mm. suffers big time if I can't get into the gym and do what I want to do yeah. as well as I want to do it. Um, so for me, being injured is not just like the detriment of having an injury where you like hobble around on like a bung ankle or a pulled hamstring or whatever. It's like it's literally my life, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like 100%. being active, I've I've been active forever, 
Um, but it's been my career since I was 17. So the last 10 years has been like heavily reliant on being able to do well at physical stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's like really detrimental for me in that aspect. So for me, there's like a lot of fear that goes into that and a lot of anxiety that, and, uh, that goes into playing footy again, considering I was so injury, uh, prone my last yeah. like five years of, of footy when I was however old 16 through 20 or 21. Um, so yeah, it's a game of survival, but I'm much stronger and much fitter now. And I actually feel like I'm a better footy player now <laughs> being out of the game for eight years. than I did when I was in my actual peak, you know, playing, you know, 12 seasons back to back. And I think it's my mindset more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand that it is just a game and, yeah. and I'm hyper competitive and I'm desperate to be the best at everything that I do, but I can, it's still, that's completely underpinned by it's a game. Like yeah. you can relax. Like you don't have to hang everything. Like, and I think footy was my identity as well when I was playing 10 years ago or whatever, or 12 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, whereas now that's not my identity. It's just a thing that I'm, I'm just adding into my day or adding yeah. into my week. Yeah. Um, it's funny how that changes as you age. Hey, that definitely had the same thing or similar um, through any sort of sport growing up just like yeah this is gonna i'm gonna be this athlete or this you know this is you know all my eggs are in this basket have to make it work you know proof proof of manhood as we probably spoke with um cam about a few weeks ago a month or so ago now and just that sort of stuff and then you step away then you step back in you're like uh i was i was that kid before like you're pointing you know you can see the guy across the field or teammate or whatever yeah yeah they just hang everything on it which is good because that means they'll excel at it yeah um but your priorities change big time. Yeah. Again, for me, it's not so much about being this absolute like warrior on the footy field. It's like, I'm probably going at 98%, you know, because yeah. I would just want to survive. I'm not going at hundred or 110%. Like I would have mm. going in crashing packs and like head over the footy just blindly. I think I'm a bit smarter now yeah. <laughs> because you I know, hope. and I can you see hope. that link between like how, if I'm injured, I just get depressed. Mm. So I'm like super hesitant. I'm like, Oh, I think I'll just take this one easy and I know my body better as well. I've, I've got 10 years of extra training experience yeah. and I've done my strength and condition qualifications and I've put it into practice and I'm like, I'm preaching to these guys like, Hey, you don't have to overreach every single session, like practice mm. some auto regulation. And, and I think having been preaching that I'm now putting it into practice myself, which helps a lot. And uh, yeah, just generally probably just the smarter person. Going down the route of, uh, you mentioned that, um, it's your job. Like if you're, if you get injured, it's your livelihood at stake. Um, what are your thoughts on, especially in, well, in any industry, I guess, like if you're going to be promoting X, how you live that is that how important is that to the role? So using, utilizing, you know, your role, like if you're not training X amount of times per week and you're like heading out on the weekends, be it, as consistent as your mates or maybe slightly less, you know, who aren't in the fitness industry in terms of going out, going parties, clubbing, whatever, um, and not living that healthier lifestyle. Um, how, how do you see those two different personas in a fitness space? And do you think it's important that just because some don't necessarily look the fittest um, doesn't mean they aren't full of knowledge? Where, where do you kind of see in that space? That's a great question. And it's actually something I was reflecting on uh, late last week, just randomly. I was thinking about that. And I think because I've probably been in both places, Mm -hmm. 
when I was younger, 18 through 22, again, I'd been in fitness as a PT since I was like 17. So yeah. I was going out and drinking and like doing all that stuff and, and then rocking up the next day and like preaching to clients, Hey, you got to live this healthy lifestyle, like eat whole foods and drink a lot of water and don't stay up too late and like, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I guess I've lived both. Whereas now I'm probably on the other side of it where every opportunity I can get to go to bed early, then I'm going to take that. Like I'm really yeah. diligent with my water intake and I'm, I eat as, as not as well as I could, but I eat very well, I think. Mm -hmm. um, or I know. Um, coaches don't play. I think that's an important thing to remember that a uh -oh. good coach doesn't necessarily have to be able to show up and do exactly what they want you to do because you will have clients that are maybe stronger than you or fitter than you, or they're more advanced in some things than you, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't coach them. So coaches need to have played. I think it definitely helps like for the experiential level. Um, I think if I'm completely honest, I'm probably more towards the, you should practice exactly what you preach mm -hmm. and you shouldn't live like two different lifestyles, but I can see both. Um, yeah. I can see both the still having the knowledge and having, you know, and maybe portraying that knowledge or at least, you know, giving away that knowledge, but maybe not necessarily practicing it yourself. I, uh, I'm probably more towards the other side. I think I would yeah. want people to, I want to be the epitome of what I'm telling people to do. Mm. And I think that's mostly because I just have these massive aspirations for myself. And I know that I'm not going to be able to reach them unless I am really doing everything optimally, you know, in terms of recovery and sleep and hot and um, hydration and nutrition and my training regime and all these things. I know that I'm not going to reach where I want to be by going out and getting drunk every weekend Blind. yeah. And having like four hours sleep and like drinking a liter of water a day or none a day or whatever. I yeah. can understand that like kind of the like cost benefit of that. But you don't need to be the strongest in the gym. Is what I would love to be, <laughs> <laughs> but you probably don't need to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I think for me personally, because I have these big aspirations, I want to be the best, not necessarily for someone to look up to, but just so I can prove to myself, Hey, this can be done. And that yeah. helps me to be able to give the information onwards. So I could say, hey, man, like, you know, I've gone through these, these three blocks of training and I've seen a 25 kilo increase in my deadlift because I've done all of these things. If you follow suit, you can likely get the same results. But then similar to your math thing, it's like every, every, um, like, uh, every issue or every disease or illness or like family history of stuff, you like take away a point. Yeah. It's essentially the same thing with the results you'll get. It's like, you could achieve this optimally. Yeah. But then you take away optimal sleep. Like you're sleeping less than eight hours a night. You're, you're um, having one, one liter of water a day. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not eating your body. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. So you're kind of taking away, you're like chipping away at your, if everything was perfect and you did everything perfectly, you could, you could achieve this, but every little thing that you don't do optimally, you're kind of chipping away at the results that you could get. I see it the mm -hmm. same way. Yeah. I love. I love the idea of an optimal individual. Like it's just so impressive what people can achieve. And I feel like so many, so many uh, of the population just in general, don't want to sacrifice in uh, missing out. And um, um, they put it as missing out uh, on this side of it, but it's like, but you're also missing out on this if you don't. Right. Um, because, you know, the sacrifice of what, like you're sacrificing being optimal for like society's norms, essentially, um, as opposed to I would rather sacrifice society's norms so that I can be more optimal. Uh, and optimal comes in various 
shapes and sizes being like, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, those who are completely, you know, really holistically uh, approaching life, that's absolutely next level. And that's the, they're, they're probably the people that get to the epitome of their industries is because it's like, well, I want to put all my eggs in this basket. It's the same as going down that investing route. I think we've mentioned this before. It's like, you know, the smartest investment route is diversification, but the ones who succeed do not diversify. The ones who, you know, go all in on something are the ones who are either at the top, more often they're not at the top, to be honest, because they learn from that mistake and then they go again and they go again. Um, diversification gets you to the upper middle class as opposed to the top of the world, I guess. And if we're thinking like from a, a personal development standpoint, same thing applies. Like you diversify yeah. and you go into an SNC qualification, you do like women's only training and you go and do like powerlifting and you do Olympic lifting and you do CrossFit certifications and the list goes on. You do it all. You mm. become a generalist. Yeah. And if you're like, I like to use the analogy if you've ever played FIFA or NBA and you've got your, your things that you can put like points into. It could be yeah. like your power. If we're, we're thinking speed agility, NBA, yeah, yeah, speed yeah. agility, power, like dunking shot, yeah. like three point shot, mid range shot, etc. And you can kind of like put your points in different things. I see it the same way as life, you know. And it's like I can put a lot of points into PD in this thing or this thing or this thing, and you have five yeah. different areas there. Or it could be you put all your points into like relationship building or into sales or into like technology or whatever. Mm. You can spread them all out. And you can become pretty proficient at a lot of things, if not everything, but you'll never really excel at any one thing. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's important that you find that one thing potentially and like double or triple down on it if you want to excel at it. But then yeah, it really depends on your role in the in the industry as well. I think that's like I've been mistaken or I've been caught out on this before where you, you know, you interact with people and it's like how, just in my brain, it's like, how do you not have a base understanding of X? But then you see how how good they are. It's something completely different. It's like, oh, you just haven't given it time because you've given all your time to being amazing at this. And it's just like, that's worth the sacrifice in their eyes. And it's so cool to witness because you see someone who's, you know, elite in that field. And it's like, who cares if, I don't know, I can't remember what the, the things were, but who cares if you don't know that, you know, don't put other fruit in the bowl with bananas because they'll ripen too quick. I just say that because I look at bananas as the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Like bananas okay. make other things ripen really quick. Uh, also, you you, um, apparently if you put avocados in water, they stay green forever. I'd hate to think how long that water's going to sit there and get gross. I don't know. Nah, not if it's just stagnant. Why Maybe would that's you do worse. It? Anyway, that's like we're getting an ice cream bucket. <laughs> yeah, avocados, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's okay. going to go, they don't go brown and mushy. I, I think would just eat them though. Yeah, true. I love it. I, have, I eat like two whole avocados a day. Actually, we're talking about this. Yeah, I love them. Two avocados a day. They're actually really cheap at the moment. But I have heard from um, a dietitian friend that a quarter of an avocado is sufficient amount of fats um, a day. I'm working it. So you're 400% efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. And I'm then if eight, I eat I'm eight times whatever anyone else eats. And I only need 2,500 calories. But if I eat 10,000, then I'm four, four times, times better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And if you yeah, so anyway, that, coming back to that analogy. <laughs> Coming back to that analogy, it really depends on what your role is within the business, potentially. Like you have a pretty multifaceted role, I would say. Like we've talked about this a few weeks ago, but what would you say you would need to put like your energy into? Maybe it's like technology and the back end stuff and Excel no, spreadsheets. Currently it would be um, well, getting 
the best out of people effectively. Hopefully that sounds good. Sounds right. No, that doesn't need to sound good. But like getting, how do I ensure that every person that is within the company is performing to a level that is that is needed? What do you think goes into that? Is it a level um, of communication, relationships, yeah. understanding, learning, understanding how do individuals learn versus how do they apply? So you know the way that education is delivered to one person may be effective, but you try that on another person, it may be completely ineffective. So how do you ensure that across the board, when you're talking to a group of X amount of people, 10 people, five people, two people, you're getting through to both to the level that they need to understand it and then apply it and then be managed accordingly to ensure consistency of performance, I guess, um, all the while maintaining relationships and um yeah, just ha having a really amazing place to want to rock up and, and put in the yards for at work, which I think we're getting close to, or you know, we're, we're in the ballpark of, which is really exciting. I think it's uh, with teaching, I just relate everything back to fitness and you mm. know, being a PT and being a coach, teaching someone how to deadlift. You know, you've got a group of 25 people that are 20 people, and everyone's got their own bar. Mm -hmm. Everyone is built completely differently, how yeah. you describe it and how you demo it. and so we kind of go through like visual auditory and kinesthetic. Yeah. So you talk about it, you show them how to do it, and then you let them have a go, some trial and error. I guess, mm -hmm. yeah, that applies to everything. With like teaching someone a new role or teaching someone a new skill. It's like you can tell them and you can show them and then you let them have a go and then you come back and revise it and you give them that feedback and then we do it again. It's funny because um, using that same analogy, I've had um, someone who's previously invested in me when I was coaching um, shout out to Belly if he's listening. And he's, his way of queuing, especially in front of uh, groups of people, was exactly the same, vis visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. But actually removing the other two is really important when you're giving individual queuing. So as an example, like you can go auditory and visual at the same time. Like, cool, so what I'm doing here is like, you know, pulling, switching my lats on, obviously try to avoid using anatomical um, references. So like try and bite, break the bar, um, you know, really gripping on that would help switch the lights on and then like stand up, push the floor away, whatever the cues are that you use, but then doing it without any audible cue is really important for those that are visual learners. Otherwise you're giving them too much information. Mm. And then kinesthetic sure. is actually like potentially putting your hands on someone and like allowing them to experience or, you know, molding them in such a shape that they can understand that. And to add a layer to all three of those, it's like then there's external and internal versions of those. So instead of externally viewing something, they need to internally visualize it instead of like, you know, kinesthetic, like how do you give an internal cue over an external cue uh, for those things? And so that's when it comes to movement patterns, let alone um, <laughs> human interactions and building relationships and administration and all that sort of stuff, for sure. Right. The nuance. What do you think that the difference between like a good and a bad coach is? in oh. terms of the cueing stuff as in how they communicate the same message do you see like a black and a white or um a good and a bad coach i think that's such a very it's a broad question okay well, I'll narrow it, depends, it, down. it depends on the audience to be honest okay um like you know you you could have a good coach to a group of young athletic men who are 16 to 18 that's going to need a, such a different like the answer would be versatility. Sure. How, you know, someone that is able to jump into that group of 16 to 18 year old footy boys and coach them all in a movement and then jump up and do a one-on-one -on -one 
PT with a lady who has varying problems in terms of like uh, mobility problems or restrictions from living life and building rapport with both and getting them bought in and getting results. That's a quality coach. Mm. When it comes to queuing, simplicity is always best. Word fluff is for people that don't know what they're talking about. True. I'm just going to speak one word sentences from now on. Well, if you think about it, think about all the elite people that, you know, we've referenced on this podcast in the past, like people that know what they're talking about aren't thinking of words as they're talking. It's in like, they will pause. Elon, perfect example, pauses for long enough for people to think if the podcast is still going <laughs> yeah. before he gives an answer. It's true. Because he knows it. He knows the answer. It's in there somewhere. It's the same with a cue. If you're, if you're word fluffing in front of a group or an individual, it's you, you probably don't know what you're saying. Mm. You need to be on. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and having that experiential understanding of something as well. Like by the mm. by the time the 9.30 session rolls around, I've already taught it four times. It's like, yeah. bang, 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 bang. Everything's so much more efficient. Oh. Um, I think that if, you, if you're teaching something, like you can just tell when people are clunky, you know, where they, they stop someone after every rep to give them a new cue where it should yeah. really just flow on. Like, and you see it all the time. You see it in footy coaches where they're stopping a drill every two minutes, like fly into someone about not doing something they asked them to or whatever. It's like, just let it play out and give them that feedback. Same with a deadlift or a back squat. It's like, you can cue as they go. Not everything has to be so profound where they have to stop and like listen to you intently. It's like, hey, just drop your knees out. You know, bum back then down. Mm-hmm. Pull the bar down on top of yourself. Whatever it is, it's like, you can just cue something more efficiently. It doesn't have to be so clunky. I think like um, reflection as well. Like, as you just said, with your sessions back to back, if your sessions aren't improving from the first session to the last session, you're not learning. Same right. with the coach. If you're coaching a back, like thinking back to when I was first coaching a back squat or a deadlift, mainly deadlifts, because some people really struggle to hinge. I butchered coaching a deadlift time and time and time again. And now I'd be shocked if there's someone I can't get into a deadlift position. Right. Um, but that comes with, the, the fail you know it's not you, you win or you learn you don't fail you're like okay that didn't work for that person that was a real average cute but for them it's really good so what's different about this person what are the mobility restrictions what are the could they just be completely distracted from work today they're not really listening could the warm-up have been better more engaging those sorts of things is what you need to reflect on time and time again to be going all right now i'm a, I'm a good coach I'm not a great coach i'm a good coach yeah and the ability to self-reflect, not to kind of have a repeat of uh, two weeks ago, yeah. but the ability to reflect on things that you've done, whether that be good or bad things, that's what makes you grow. Mm. Because if not, you're just going to rock up blindly again the next session and potentially do the same shit that got you in trouble last time. And you never have that understanding of, okay, this is like, this is what I have to do or this is what I don't have to do or I, what, something I shouldn't do. Um, then you can be more efficient and more proficient and... And you would just get better over time. Like, honestly, I can't put more emphasis on that self-reflection. And that's just like, that's just floor coaching, obviously. Like if you want to go down the whole health and fitness route, this programming, as an example, um, I did a training with the guys, my team last week and acknowledged that like I wrote a program week to week, which is just the stupidest thing you can do, in my opinion. Begin with the end in mind and write like, yeah, and that took me, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Like, writing a week to week program took me so long every week. And then it was like, it was because I had jumped in, no excuses, but like jumped in halfway through. It's like, cool, I just want to take this back, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
And then I was like, okay, from the 14th of March, we're starting a whole new block. I wrote that whole, literally the whole block in less than an hour, like fully specific. So then the understanding, so what would progress that good coach to a good plus one is understanding the program. Because you can walk in and see a workout and deliver it. And this has happened in the past few weeks. You deliver a workout and it not get the stimulus, the right stimulus for the client because you've just seen the exercises on a page or on the board. Whereas if you deliver the exact same exercises with the understanding of what the goal of the program is, it's just going to change the whole experience for a client and their progression and adaptation to whatever is trying to be achieved. So understanding anatomy and physiology is obviously important, but you know, not just walking in, seeing a workout and going, oh yeah, it's four by eight again, or it's whatever it is again. Because four by eight could make, has so many different variations in it, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Coming back full circle to what you, the point you brought up initially was working on getting people to do what you want them to do in their role. So a lot, you have a, a fair few people yeah. that answer to you as their, not employer, but as their superior, I suppose. Do you think that you could apply the same thing? Like kind of going down the route of maybe giving as much information as you can to this coach for their program so they can understand the desired outcome so they can deliver it, you know, effectively. Is that on you to do the same thing when you're asking people to do certain tasks within the business is to give them the absolute, like most thorough rundown of exactly why we do this and the reason behind it and what it's going to, what kind of result it will yield. And, and then uh, yes and no. the opportunity. Uh, so not, uh, definitely my responsibility to hold the communication. It wouldn't be the, the most thorough rundown. It's how does this impact you? And what part do I need you to play? If I can give that full understanding, then absolutely. If they want more, sure, ask me for more information. But in terms of the necessity for the role, um, it's a case of this is why I need you to do X. It's that simple. Like I, I try and simplify everything. Um, if you complicate things, people start like getting confused, asking, not asking questions is a bad thing, but like it just gives them varying points of focus. And it's like, cool, this is, you know, to, to get the, to be the best in this role, you need to achieve X, Y, and Z. This is why I need you to do those. Like this is, and this is how you need to go. This is how you do those. I'm going to leave you be. And go they and then go. So now go yeah. and do those. Yeah, exactly. And ask yeah. for help when you, you can't or you're struggling. Um, if I go and give the full thousand foot overview to every single thing all the time, it's just information overload. And yeah, sorry. I probably put too much emphasis on the thoroughness of yeah. uh no, specificity yeah, I didn't like and that. concise is probably yeah. the, the more important approach. Sure. So why is it, what, do you, what are your end goals for work? I know this is what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. And I love talking about this stuff as well because I'm a big like aspirations guy and like really shoot for the stars, you know? And what do you want to get out of this role? I know that you're- I think it's a role specific goal. Okay. I think, and I don't, I don't think it's to do with- work necessary like this specific uh work i think it's more about like why why do we why do i work like for what to what end is it to holiday is it to um i don't know pro provide for a future family is it to set myself up in the future is it to like what what is the motivator the motivator and sometimes i think people myself included get stuck on this it's like well, why am i doing this again like to what end obviously like in terms of my current position in the industry i'm in i love helping people i love educating people i love 
talking shock. Um, I love just being able to reach more people and give people a greater understanding of how simple it is to be healthy. It, and it is simple. It's so simple. Um, and so I, you know, having a limited or having a limited audience initially in terms of my time that I have as a face value coach, um, that was amazing. And I feel like I got so much out of that, but now I have the ability to influence. I don't know how many people I have at the moment, 12, yeah, about 12 people um, to reach more people. So if those 12 have a full roster or whatever you want to call it, great. That's another seven, 800 people that now I have influenced, not directly, but indirectly through others. And then if, you know, progression continues or whatever ascension continues, how many more people can I help and influence? And there was a big part of me for a long time that wanted to kind of change the way health and fitness is delivered because I feel like a lot of, where the industry was going was around not lowballing, but there was this market of, or this banner of um, small group training facilities or group training facilities, whatever you want to market, uh, pitch them as. And they're all around the same sort of price point for want of a better phrase. Like, so therefore, if you're all at the same sort of range, you're delivering a similar value. So how do we deliver more value? Like my goal has always been, how can I give people more not like how do I compete with others and still maintain profit margins because it is a definite for-profit industry. No businesses except for not-for-profits. Um, even charities are for-profit. Look that up. Um, so that that's kind of where it started. And then it's like, cool. So that's a big motivator for me, um, I would say, is how many, how many more people can I influence to then influence others and train and educate general population to understand how easy health and fitness is or a healthy lifestyle is. And I mean a balanced healthy lifestyle. I'm not saying everyone needs to stop drinking and um, train six times a week and, you know, be X, Y, and Z. But I think having a, you know, longevity is so the allure of longevity and a, and a healthier life when we're older is probably my investment in myself instead of maybe necessarily the, classic analogy of cool invest in the stock market and by the time i'm 65 probably 70 by the time i'm allowed to retire thank you government um i can you know really really get my winnebago and travel around australia or something like that gray nomad i think you know if, if i'm if i'm 70 when i'm 70 um, i hope i'm fit and active still training six times a week running half marathons marathons whatever it is so that's my investment in the long term so why am i working now and to what end and the reason it probably popped up in my head is because we're currently planning a holiday <laughs> and I love travel and it's been a real um, thorn in the side as it has to so many with the restrictions on travel and exploration and that sort of stuff. And obviously no one's getting any younger. So the, the holidays that we do change as we age, like from the, I can't remember the name of the buses, the buses through Europe, whatever they're called, Kentucky tours, oh, that's it. Kentucky, yeah. Yeah. Um, through to now like i don't know where's the most scenic landscape where has really nice hikes where can i be most adventurous on a mountain bike or bungee jump or skydive where's the you know the most amazing place to skydive where can i dive i haven't scuba dove in years now it seems um so where's the best marine life to explore that so that's a huge motivator for me in a short term for working i work to kind of holiday i guess you take your laptop and work on holiday and and like 
I'm not going to say I haven't done that. I'm not going to say I won't do that. Absolutely. My goal is my goal for a long time has been to be able to work from anywhere. And I have that ability and I have the backing of an amazing um, employer to be able to be in a different state for, I don't know, it's going to be two years at least um, and still work a, work the role in the industry that I love um, in, in for the company that I, that I love as well. So I don't know, there was a question there somewhere that you asked about, why do I work? Uh, and I think at the moment it's I work for, for a long time, sorry, up until now, it was I work to holiday and just not having the ability to holiday has just been like, okay, so I work to work. Um, obviously, aside from the, um, the goals within my role, what is it outside of that? Um, so I don't really know. I don't have an answer for you right now. And I don't, and I, and I'm fully aware of the, you know, financial motivation that different people have, or, you know, that we all have, like part of my psyche is like, how much is enough? Um, and to, and to what end in terms of a work, I hate the work-life balance. It's, you know, I don't like that phrase at all because, um, it, the balance is chosen by you, you know, the amount you choose to work is your work-life balance. If you're efficient and the tasks within your role are deemed achievable and you're not doing that, well, then you're an inefficient worker. That's not on your employer. If you choose to work longer and it gets you closer to X, great, but it's not a work-life balance. It's like work-life is a choice or everything we do is a choice. Ownership, as we both know, is probably one of our both, uh, but is one of our values for both of us. God, I'm butchering the English language today. Um, so yeah, I don't really have a specific answer on on why we work, but I, I definitely you know constantly assess how much is enough in terms of enough financially in turn um, of the balance of responsibility, um, especially if the motivator is less time at work. Um, but also I have no reason to not continue to work, especially with the, the lifestyle that we've created myself and Zoe in turn, like to be able to work remotely, to, to travel back to Perth for work, to um, still influence as many people as possible through this amazing thing we call the internet. So yeah, don't really know. It's fine. I think it'll change as well. Change depending on where you're at in terms of like maybe to give an example in my last five years, I, I would say has changed drastically from wanting to, from working at the Institute of Fitness to wanting to be the best coach there mm-hmm. or the best coach I could be there. Sorry. Um, not that it's a competition. I was just like desperate to be as good as I possibly could. Um, so my motivation there was just like learn a lot, become a yeah. good teacher, become a good um, speaker in front of groups um, to leaving there to going back and PTing again. It was like, okay, now I, I want to prove to myself that I can actually still do it after having been out of the industry for, well, not out of the industry because I was always PTing throughout, but not PTing full time. Mm-hmm. It's a different beast. So going back and doing that and then my motivation was like, okay, now my, in my mind, it was like, all right, my reputation's on the line here. Yeah. Um, can I actually go back and do this thing that I've said I can do for the last five years or four years? Um, and then from there doing PT management stuff in, you know, in the same commercial gym and, 
And essentially like my goal with that was I saw so many flaws in how they would get PTs on to rent space essentially. So it was like a big commercial gym and they get these brand new PTs on and they sign them off for 12 month contracts, $320 a week or something like an insane contract. But in saying that it can actually work in your favor hugely. Like if you, if you do well, you can do really, really well. Um, But not everyone does well. And, uh, and often they don't sign the right people, whether that be like they don't sign the right people for the demographic of the gym or the other trainers in the gym. So it's not a cohesive group. And it's just, they're just framing this thing as we're doing your favor by offering you a contract where really it's not that they've just signed themselves up for another 15 grand that year. And they get 25 trainers on and it's just this huge money-making thing. So anyway, my motivation for that was I'm going to do this right. And I'm going to really make sure I vet these people and make sure that they're the right fit for a, the gym, b yeah. the rest of the team and see that can actually be self-managed. Like I'm here yeah. to help out, but can this person actually do it themselves? If yeah. not, then sorry, but there's no contract like offer. Um, so that was my motivation for that. And then that didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know whether that was, uh, a coincidence or not that it didn't work out and it was like hey you need to start signing more trainers and there's like kpis attached to this and and luckily it didn't get to that point because something else came up and i kind of handed in my resignation in anyway yeah um and then buying a gym you know like your motivations changed massively from that like being an employee for the last well since i was 12 i was an employee so all the way up to like 20 worked at 12 yeah i was working in a fruit and veg place slave labor first job would you get yeah. free food <laughs> it's pretty good actually yeah but he didn't know that i had i got free food as part of the role <laughs> so, uh, that old five finger discount yeah so that was like yeah 12 through 15 or something and then 15 through 17 or 18 i think i was working at a servo and then on oh, no, through 17 and then did my pt qual and then went to uni and then pt full-time from like 18 onwards um sorry owning a gym and then owning a gym, yeah, obviously your motivations are completely different now. Like mm. your your skin is in the game. Like, yeah, you know, you put however many thousands and thousands of dollars into this thing, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands potentially. And it's like, you know, you're really on the line here. Mm. You have to hustle to make this thing work. And, and not only that, it's because it's not only just driven by financial benefit. You know, you really want to be the right, you want to be the lighthouse of the fitness industry or any industry. Like if you're, if you've seen how bad it can be, you want to be really good. Um, so for me, it was like always underpinned by that. And you can easily take shortcuts and maybe be better benefit, uh, beneficially um, or financially more benefited. Um, but it's never the right way to go about it. I think, I think it's important that you maintain like your values and your morals and, and you do it ethically and, um, and you try and be the best version of whatever you're doing as you can be. It's not always about just cutting corners and trying to make as much money as possible. You don't think it could be about both? What do you mean? I, I don't agree with necessarily cutting corners, um, but you're like, you kind of differentiated there between, um, you know, being a pillar in the community and, and being the best um, and less focused on the financial gain. Can you not do both? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I think that helps a lot when you're selling. Um, because then you're fully confident that what you're doing is the best thing that there is. And it's Mm. so much easier to sell having that conversation when you're actually back in the product. It's like, hey, there is nothing better than this because I've tried everything else. And 
the reason why we're here and the reason why I'm here doing this thing is because it's so good that I wouldn't be anywhere else. And I think having that kind of conviction when you're selling is a massive selling point. Um, sorry if I made about... it sound like. No, no, no. no. Just curious. How do you feel about selling for other people in that regard? In, in terms of like you mentioned, if you're the face and you're the coach and you're in the club um, and then you're, you're selling, obviously there's financial gain there, but you've tried everything. This is the best, blah, blah, blah. Say you're selling and then you put them into say someone else's session. How confident are you in that sale? In the same environment, like in the same yeah. gym potentially, then I think I should back it in mm. because it's all under the same banner and it's the same product. Have you ever so, had where, where you're not confident? No, because I've always either worked for myself. Yeah. Or I've had the best intentions at giving the best service. Mm. So for example, with the the PT management role within a commercial gym that's really well known for like ripping people off essentially. I still, it was still underpinned for me to be like, no, I'm like going to do this differently and I'm going to do this morally and I'm, and I'm going to actually do this to help people, not just to make this company a lot of money and money. potentially make yeah. myself a lot of money. Um, so I think it, as long as you've got the right intentions, I think you can have that kind of in anything. Yeah, I've definitely had that in the past where like, say you've got a different um, salesperson or whatever selling a product that's being delivered by person Y. So you've got salesperson X. It's like, hey, this, you know, I'm pitching you. You really need this. I'm going to you know, put you with this person over here. Um, and they're like, oh, I, I guess in it, I'm all over the place again. My brain's gone a million miles a minute today. Um, they're not confident in that person delivering what they're selling. It's probably similar in big box gym not naming names where you have a, you know, membership consultant as they may or may not have been called. And it's like, Oh, you, I want to put you with a PT. And like, there's, there's these one PTs that get all the clients. It's like, well, yeah, cause they're the best. So, and I can back up like me as a person, if I'm selling that person's going to come back on me and say, you sold me that person. And now I haven't got my results. Thanks for that. Whereas like, so I like fully understand both sides. It's like you want to have full confidence in the, in the, package or the product or the service that you're selling and the person delivering that service not just the service itself but the, the person delivering it because essentially in health and fitness like everyone's selling the same thing it's more about the delivery of it that is the difference the information is the same yeah but yeah, yeah how people package uh, it yeah package it yeah exactly that's the right word I think I've never been in a sales role while I'm selling something for someone else or mm. selling someone else's service, I should say. And, uh, and I commend them because that must be a tough job, like trying to figure out where this person belongs, essentially, like what trainer to go to. Yeah. But for me, I've always either sold for my own PT business or at least sold for someone that will be directly underneath me. So PT management, I'm selling a PT contract for PTs that are working directly underneath me. And I'm mentoring them. You're the one process. that's responsible. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Or selling in my own gym or whatever. Like they're always underneath or always kind of like working alongside me. I'm not like, yeah. all right, Tom, like you want to get started on this membership? That's great. Here's your PT. Um, this is like John. Um, and John's like, it's his first day. He doesn't mm. even know what a back squat is. He's <laughs> never touched the kettlebell in his life. It's like, how do you possibly sell that? And, uh, and it happens all the time. And um, uh, yeah, I think- I don't know how they- I was going to say, I don't know how they sleep at night, but that sounds a bit 
um, a bit far. Right, that's it's like, like salesmen, that. Maybe car just... salesmen selling lemons. Like they're just like, let's yeah. just get this off the lot. That's how they sleep at night. I guess their motivation is just completely different. I don't know. I can't really answer that because I've never sold away from me. It's always been like a relationship directly with me. Never just like, all right, sale done and palm them off to someone else. And now they're their problem. Mm. It's always like, hey, I got this person in. So now they're my responsibility. I do have a follow-up, but we're just going to pause briefly here so that I can go and do my hair. And we're back. Um, my follow-up is what on based on that mentality, what is the there's a price point for every product. So if you think about, I don't know why it's popped in my head, you think about cutlery, right? You can sell a five cent piece of cutlery and you can sell like thousands of dollars worth of a cutlery of cutlery, like quality knives. Do exactly the same thing. They cut, right? One's just cut better than others. So going down the path of not necessarily selling for other people, but let's say selling for yourself. What is the highest level of price that you'd be confident servicing? And what does that look like? Depends on the service. That's what I mean. So like price yourself. But it still depends on the service. Yeah. Because it could be, is it like a one-on-one thing or is it? You, no, no, you're, you're creating the product. Okay, so the more people that are involved, the higher level of return they could potentially get. Mm-hmm. I think those two things, that's like a multiplication and then that equates to what you should charge. So if there's more people, they get more out of it. Right. Then you can charge more. If it's like a one-on-one PT thing and they're getting one session a week, Mm-hmm one person they're getting an hour of your time like what could you possibly achieve in that time but if it's one person they're getting one pt a week then they're getting four other workouts for the week written up they're getting their like nutritional stuff set in place Mm -hmm. they're getting accountability measures they're getting what i call daily vitamins which could be like daily mobility drills or Mm -hmm. you know or similar just like you know keep them kind of primed um and you like add services add um value value yeah exactly then it's like yeah i'm only seeing this person for one hour a week but that's 250 dollars a week um or 199 dollars a week or however you want to like spruce it to make it and that's forever what does that get them that gets them a weekly time that's forever that could be a 12 month contract and then you look look at it again after 12 months where are they at i think the big difference between that's a 2400 contract just roughly okay 200 dollars. oh wait i've done that wrong I've done that no. massively wrong. Five thousand two hundred. Yeah, ten thousand four hundred dollars. If it's yeah. two hundred two hundred dollars a week. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's a decent contract. contract. Yeah. You just have five of them, and then like you're at that. You have, you you sell six of them, and you're at that kind of median income, and mm. you should be happy, um, according to you. <laughs> I never said a median income. Okay. Well, maybe 20, 25 of them, and then you're happy. <laughs> twenty five so of them. You, that's twenty five hours you're working face to face, and you have your external time. Right. Yep. And then a lot of that is once it's set and forget a lot of the time, like the nutritional stuff, the accountability, the day, daily vitamins, like you said, you wrote up a how many week periodized block in an hour. You can yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. You can be the same kind of thing, like the same like macronutrient calculator on body weight. And it works out roughly how much protein, how many carbs, how many fats. So why do you think you more people aren't doing that? I think because it takes a lot initially for no return. 
as in it takes a lot of time initially to set it up and set up the structures and set up the processes before you even have any clients. I'm just going to rewind this whole thing back to last week with Ruby. We don't create first. We market and figure out if there's a sale for it first. Mm. So you don't need to create first. True. So why do you think more people aren't doing it? I think that's a, I think there's a few answers to that that pop up into my mind. I think because, and you said it yourself, because there's so much competition, I feel like there's a lot of noise and it's hard to have that point of difference because it seems like every coach is offering everything to everyone. It's like, how can you possibly differentiate yourself from that? Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can see how people would think that. Um, Again, maybe like how you priced yourself. If you've never sold that kind of product to someone before, how can you have the confidence to sell it? Now, again, I don't necessarily agree with that because if you've, if you found a hole in the market or if you've developed it, like I would probably develop it first, then sell it personally. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Ruby, I apologize. I know you gave <laughs> us that the other tip last week, but um, there's that as well. Maybe you haven't got the confidence that it's actually going to work and actually get people these results. Something I'm going to throw out a little cliche. Something's only worth what someone will pay for it. And we don't know what someone will pay for something until you price it at that point. And if they don't buy it, it means you haven't potentially shown enough value in that product at that point. So, and my my curious thought to why aren't more people doing it? I would say they are, we just don't know about them. Mm. I would just say there's so, like you say, there's so much noise in the space because of the volume play. Like we had um, recently a chain come over to WA and I've heard from someone that works within that chain, they're, they're um play is and this was literally the words from a leader within that brand was to bring in more people than we lose each month that i think pretty much verbatim forgive me if i've got that slightly wrong so and you know that's not specifically to them and um, there's other companies that operate on a similar model it's like that's literally the the game that so many are playing is to, we just got to play a volume game. And so that's where the noise comes in because volume equals conversation. But if you think about it, you know, those sort of facilities would be, you know, up around the, I don't know, between 150 to 250 member mark, I would say. And that's a lot more people talking about it than 25. So you're looking at 10X and there's Mm. way more of them. I think as well on top of that, if you're not in the market to buy it, you kind of push it aside anyway. Like you or I, targeted. we're not in the price point to, to yeah. afford the 200 a week. It's yeah. out of our demo, out of our- uh, Well, that, but even if we were, even if, because often people don't market the price straight away. Like even if it was just like a grab and it was a, it was a list of things like, this is how I can help you and you get mm. this and this and this and this and this. Most people don't put the price on a post like that. Yeah, That would grab our attention. Like it would at least make us, inquire about it if that's like oh my god that's exactly what i need Mm. we would inquire about it but we don't because we're not interested like i mean you have a running coach i don't have a coach at the moment but i've had coaches before in the past and business Mm. mentors and whatnot and that's how carl got me to aa like you know he had the answer to my question yeah exactly Um, and the same with your running coach it's like hey i need someone that can actually program me this running stuff and i don't want to have to think about it i just want to have to rock up and do i don't have to think 
So he answered your question. And I think if you're not in the market for it, then you're not really looking for it. Mm. And it's just noise and you just push it to the side and make it white noise and you just don't even you know, think twice about it. Maybe that's why as well, is a lot of people don't know what they don't know. Um, Jeez, we're going back and back and back here, <laughs> making big loops. Uh, but it's so true, right? Like a lot of people just go to their their commercial membership, uh, go and use their commercial membership at this commercial gym and they do the same shit, the same rep. I, how's the, this is a story on this actually. I, I trained this chick once and she, uh, she was complaining that she didn't get results. She hadn't had results for like a year or something or a couple of years. Yeah. Um, oh. That's a long time training. Yeah. And, uh, and you probably know where this is going. I think I know this story. Yeah. Um, she hadn't had results in like a couple of years. I was mm. teaching her at the Institute of Fitness and mm-hmm. she was doing her PT qualification, right? Which like kind of adds into this story a little bit about we we're 10 weeks in, you know, yeah. so we're pretty far in. We've already talked about like long-term programming, periodization. We've talked about macro cycles and meso and micro cycles and like rep ranges and desired outcome and different stimuli and like, and all this shit. And we'd already talked about all this stuff. Anyway, I can't remember her name now, to be honest. This is like five years ago. And, uh, and she comes up to me and she's like, Luke, like I want you to train me. I haven't had results or any results in a couple of years. And, uh, and usually the first question that I ask is I'm just interested in what people have done leading up mm-hmm. to this point. I'm just like, oh, I had a trainer and they wrote me a program and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like how long ago was that? And she said, that was, that was a couple of years ago yeah. um, when this guy first wrote me this program. And, uh, and I was like, sweet, like, can I have a look? And she pulled out a piece of paper and it was, um, and it was a workout and it was, you know, deadlifts, three sets of 15, it was pull-ups, you know, four sets of 10 or four sets of eight or whatever. It was like five random things, five yeah. random exercises, all good exercises in their own right. There wasn't really any rhyme or reason it seems, but I was like, cool. Like that's, that's one workout. What about the other six days of the week? Like what kind of stuff are you doing? This is two years. And she goes, no, nah, I just do this workout like twice a week. I was like, man, you must've seen some like good strength gains then. Like how much are you deadlifting? She goes, no, nah, he just sent me the weights at the start. And I've just been doing that. My same, like 25 kilos, three sets of 15 on the deadlifts. I'm like, there has to be some progression. Like, yeah. what about your plank hold at the end? Just like, no, nope, just been doing 15 second planks. And she's been doing literally the same workout with the same weight. That is a compliant client right there. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. For two years, man. And, uh, and she didn't understand why she wasn't getting results. Mm. Like you don't know what you, and this is a chick that was 10 out of 12 weeks into her PT course. Like you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And that's like someone that should be kind of learned in the, in the, uh, in the topic of periodization yeah. and yeah. progression. Like imagine what general populations think or don't think mm. just kind of go in and go through the motions. And they like look over to that person on the treadmill and just follow what they're doing or see that person in the squat rack and they just do what they do. They don't really even think about it. Like the structure of the workout or like, let alone rep ranges and desired outcomes and all that other stuff that goes into it. Like all the nuance of periodization and, and programming. Yeah. So you don't know what you don't know. Um, so maybe people don't know that they actually need this help because I could guarantee like anyone could walk into the gym and we'll get them stronger and we'll get them fitter guaranteed. Like I would, I would like put money on the line that that would happen if they came and they trained four days a week at least, and they trained the hardest and they listened to what our coaches say, like they would get results a hundred percent. I have no no issues in having like a guarantee on that. If anyone wants to take me up, 
on that. I'll uh, happily pay for your membership if you don't get the results that you want um, with a little asterisk next to that. There's T's and C's attached to that. But um, don't you agree? Like general populations generally... I, I think know, it just part, seems like I think part of it is the confidence in, like you say, you know, someone trainer was 10 to 12 weeks, 10 out of 12 weeks into a program and they didn't even know that. So that's probably some of the hesitancy around um, general pop buying into a coach because we've just found a coach that's literally, you know, two weeks shy of having a qualification that popped out of a cereal box to basically train people and get them to pay her. So like I, I, yeah, for sure. You don't know what you don't know, but I think part of the hesitancy is, is like, cool. What's different? Like, what's different about you? And I think some people are, are genuinely scared. In terms of, I'd be curious if the training, the, the the course to become a PT, was through an undergrad, potentially even a postgrad. How much more faith the general pop would put into their trainers, purely from the sense of like. You know, old mate goes to a doctor and the doctor says, oh, I need to put you on antibiotics. Old mate just, oh, doctor said I've got to be on antibiotics. Doctor says you need a scan because your stomach hurts or whatever. It's like, oh, have you had some water and some good nutrition? Like, I don't know. Like some of the authority that comes from the letters after your name is ridiculous. Like Mm. in terms of... The, the tiered level, there's no, seems to be no regulation according uh, across those. There is, I know there is, um, I'm not saying there isn't, but like, how do you know if you've got a good doctor? It's the same way, how do you know if you've got a good PT? How do you know if you've got a good pharmacist, a good dentist, a good whatever? Like it's through experience and results essentially. So the ability for a coach to kind of step up and have anyone from those 16 to, this is full circle, love it. Anyone from those 16 to 18 year old boys in a group and the grandma who's got mobility restrictions and previous injuries get them results and can guarantee it, that's a good coach. That's the person that gets referred out. That's the PT that gets, you know, the membership consultant sell to and is full on their books within two weeks because they have the confidence and the ability to get results. It's the ones that don't have the confidence. And I've had this chat with, you know, former employees, current employees. It's like, how confident are you that when product X is sold, that you can deliver it to a point where you can guarantee any person that steps in front of your results. Probably like a four out of five or a six out of 10 or an eight out of 10. Cool, what's stopping you from getting 10 out of 10? Every single person. Oh, well, just like they, and it's always a point. Or, you know, I don't know what their life experience is. It's like, so you're not like, so you're not the best coach, which is fine. Like it comes with training and experience. And how do you overcome that? What are the type of people that you struggle with? Oh, um, easy one would be like FIFO people or people that aren't in it, aren't physically present. How do I keep them compliant? How do I keep them bought in? And they're the kind of people that like can't or struggle to build rapport with different demographics easily. And that's why you got to be a people person. That's why you don't go out on a Sunday night and you wake up at four o'clock on a Monday morning and you go, cool, I'm having the best day today because I can guarantee everyone that walks in my door is going to have the best. 45, 50 an hour session that they get with me, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And then they're going to go home and they're going to eat their nutritious breakfast because I played a part in that. So you can't do that if you don't practice it. I don't think, like going back to that question, my, my initial thought there is like, I, don't, I know you possibly haven't heard of Mike Boyle. You heard of Mike Boyle? Yeah. Yeah, you have heard of Mike Boyle. Amazing. Some people haven't. Um, if you, anyone looks at Mike Boyle and Googles him, 
he's visually he is not an athlete like not an athlete at all but most junior athletes will seek out his tutelage to become a better professional athlete in their later life, later stages in life because of his knowledge he understands the human body and how to get the most out of it you know an adolescent athlete better than anyone i would say in there might be one other person that I could think of, and his name is Kevin something. Can't remember his surname. Um, in the world, and he changed how even AA run their sessions. Um, Athletes Authority in New South Wales. So you need to be able to live a healthy lifestyle. You don't need to be able to do the thing. You don't need to be able to lift two hundred kilo deadlift to be able to coach someone to lift two hundred kilo deadlift. I mean, they might seek you out a bit more if you can, if that's your um, target, but. Your ability to do your ability to have good technique and good form is more important than the numbers you lift when it comes to education. Mm. And not even that, probably. If we were to have, if we were to say something like with full conviction, it would be it's results driven. Yeah. You know, if you can get the results, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if you can actually snatch yourself. Results vary. Because right. some people's result, like as an example, I'm definitely not the greatest at writing a running program. I could write someone, I could write something for someone, but like I would seek out someone that is a running coach. And again, this goes back to specificity over general knowledge. Like anyone can be a good coach. Well, yeah, most people can be a good coach in a broad sense. But if you want to be the best, you need to specialize. Hmm. That's where you get, I can't even think of their names. That's where you get like powerlifting coaches because they people really want to be really good at lifting heavy weights for their body mass. Or you get and then you can coaches. charge more. Yeah. You're specialized. We're like ticking, we've opened up all these different conversations. These different doors. <laughs> and now we're ticking them all off. Like, you know, don't you think? I 100%. think that's hilarious how we've, uh, how we've just done that. Like we've talked about like the difference between specializing and generalizing, mm-hmm. like doing stuff with the conviction. All the coaches, yeah. You know, and we've come full circle in all of them. I think that was a great conversation. <laughs> great, we'll do this again. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. I think um, your ability to get results, period, in any industry. If you're selling something, you need. If you're an engineer, your result is. Well, I'm going to butcher engineering. Your result is engineering something really good, um, <laughs> um, better than someone else. If you know, if you're in health and fitness, it's a case of cool. Well, you know, that's why there's a dietitian, and a dietitian is different to a nutritionist. They are very different. Um, why would you seek one out over the other? Why would you seek a long distance running coach over a sprint coach? Why would you seek a triathlon coach over a running a long distance running coach? Well, like all the nuance to it comes down to specializing in the experience and getting results for people. You look at some NFL coaches, and I have no idea how they're on a sporting field. To be honest, they look like some of the most unhealthy people. But NFL isn't necessarily about health. It's about strategy. Like NFL is about so much about strategy. So mm. impressive. So having a brain is probably more important than having the brawn on the sidelines. Um, yeah, full circle, I guess. Yeah, the coaches now, they're like throwing touchdowns. You know? Exactly. They're not on the O-line. They just have to understand each of the things. Yeah, it's the same as a as a fitness coach, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. So, but that's not to take away 
the fact that I am, I really want to be the best. <laughs> you know, but that's your motivator for you. It's not your motivator for your clients. You know, your clients aren't seeking you out going, well, Luke wants True. to be the best. So I'm going to go and train under him. Some yeah, may, that's for but me. Not all. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Which is great. And I, uh, yeah. And I'll keep striving to do that. Speaking of being the best though, um, I'm really excited for a little bit of an awkward segue. Our next guest. Me too. How's, how's that for a segue? We yeah, have probably, um, yeah, definitely a leader in uh, his realm, especially in Australia, uh, coming onto the podcast, actually recording it later this week. But we'll, it will be released next Monday. Um, how much insight do you want to give, Luke? Let loose. Go nuts. Um, We've got uh, Mr. The Wad Life. Himself. One of the uh, one of the two owners, I believe. We'll find more information out on Wednesday, but Andy is going to come on and we're going to chat with him about business. I'm actually really excited. He's an Adelaide guy and uh, he's just come back from interstate. Uh, oh, sorry, international. I think he was living in the US for a little while and, and mm. we're going to get him on and we're going to chat with him about how he started, the Wad Life. It's a huge brand now um worldwide yeah uh yeah i'm excited because he was a guy that just started something um because he saw a little hole in the market um i'll let him tell the origin story but it's um yeah it started as something pretty candid and it's turned into a fairly ginormous business and uh and we've got the pleasure of getting him on it's gonna be awesome it's mid uh mid crossfit open for those of you that are crossfits crossfitters as well which is a big big time of the year so i'm sure he's a busy man we massively appreciate his time but um yeah i'll be looking forward to picking his brain about all things uh how it came about where it is now where to next athletes all that sort of stuff so tune in sponsorships tune in next monday float out the sponsorship (laughs) idea Uh, (laughs) um but yeah looking forward to hey mate I, i do appreciate the chat today i think it's been really good managed to uh, like you say, bring it full circle. So enjoy the rest of your working day. I'm going to continue to enjoy putting my feet up on this public holiday Monday. Legend, I'm done as well. So I'm, no one's going back to work from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good thanks, one, man. man. It's been good. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot, man. I'll, uh, I'll see you in a couple of days. No worries. Ciao.